Chapter 33 Dreaming, Joe found himself in a strange house by the sea and in possession of a letter from his mother. Dear one, would have typed this, but the keys of my typewriter stick together with old cinnamon gum, which reminds me I have lost another tooth. Yes, I know, neglect is not the answer, but supposing the sea is calm tomorrow, creatureless, then all I ask, but if you are well, the address to which you must write is I may be wanted by thought police. They never tell you until too late. Forgetting the assassination angle for now, please observe the fictitious me and kindly obliterate postmark for which I thank you in advance, although by the time you read this may be as fraudulent as the old black woman who reads my poems by the cemetery wall, yet has no answers either, despite... I'm certain knowledge of the bird smaller than the kittiwake that swims to the chambers of the heart, which with a little thought might then appreciate the greed of death. Or if it doesn't mean cancer, then obviously I can still see my handprints for as long as the sea lies low and freezes, knowing I am the pain being no good lately. That you already know from my last letter, sealed with a kiss, because the implications deny remorse and the supermarket cash registers don't work right since I am always 64 cents short or 72 cents short is no fucking oops laughing matter and sometimes the fever like a ghost I wake up, but to what? About your own cliches, which I am willing to forgive any time any city will meet you, just give notice and send a hundred for expenses, which you have to admit I am worth it, and perpetual tomorrow the sun, its treasure of venom, the sea, sea. Transparent, but creatureless at last, he will come to find you, Holly, won't you? Because, my dear, the little swimmer birds only nest in abandoned hearts, and the truce shall make us free. He woke up naked and in a sweat. Something seemed to catch up to him in the long void between dream and reality, flicking vehemently past his face. Nothing solid or identifiable, but dark as dread. He heard the sea, ending its long course to the shore in a tumbling wave, and another sound out there. A car door closing. Mother? He got out of bed and fell, wobbly, to his knees. He had a cramp in one calf. Massaging the muscle, he made his way gimpily to the windows of the corner bedroom, which faced east and north. The plantation shutters were open, the moon rounding to full, a matter of days, solitary in a black sky, its luster crowding out the stars, His heart was wild in response. The rented van was parked on the narrow road that ran behind the beach house. From there it continued on, a dwindling, sandy track, to the colonies and enclaves lying to the north, along the strand. It had to be late, but he didn't know the time. He still couldn't think about anything except the imagery of the dream, provoked by the language of the letter his subconscious had written and the finality of that car door closing drove away and left him, and now, if she lay dying in some undisclosed place, of what use was his forgiveness? He was too awake, too shaken, to think of sleeping any more. He pulled on a pair of shorts and a cashmere sweater and went downstairs. In the intervals of silence between the smash of waves he heard, he thought, the engine of a car or light truck a receding sound as someone drove north on the rutted track on the marsh side of the dune. Several bottles of Killian's Red in the fridge. He carried one out to the front porch. Looking north, he saw taillights, brightening as brakes were applied, then fading, too far away for him to tell what kind of vehicle it was. He hadn't bothered to lock the Laredo. He had a couple of poles on his bottle of beer, then walked barefoot down to the road behind the house. Not easy to tell by moonlight, but the Laredo appeared undisturbed where he'd left it. 
Maybe they'd been county cops on beach patrol or fishermen getting a very early start. Joe yawned, leaned against the Laredo, and finished his beer, wondering what to do with himself for the rest of the night. There were a dozen movies on satellite TV. He couldn't concentrate for long on any of them. A handful of actors would always stick in the mind, but the majority would have been more entertaining if they were stuffed. He went outside again to wait for dawn, uneasy, wondering if he should have approached Frosty Clemens, who had failed to show up as promised. Afraid of him, of a late meeting at the isolated beach house. He detected some of that in her hostility. It could require months to sort out a relationship with someone like Frosty. She would keep taking him, whip in hand, over the jumps, the neurotic thickets and emotional stone walls in her life. Every orgasm won from her like a few yards of battlefield. War was merely orgasm on an apocalyptic scale. Churchill might have said something like that, except if the biographies had him pegged right, he never gave too much thought to sex at all.